You're listening to Under a Pile of Books. In this episode, I interview Wesley T. Allen, author of the satirical In the Land of the Penny Gnomes. I had a great time talking about comedy, writing jokes, and the importance of sharing stories with Wesley. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Wesley Allen, author of In the Land of the Penny Gnomes, which is this uh, really fun, hilarious portal fantasy. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking to him. So uh, welcome, Wesley. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you doing tonight? I'm not doing too badly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being willing to uh, come on the podcast and, and talk with me. Um, so first question what inspired you to to write your novel in the land of the penny gnomes well it's kind of two parts the penny gnomes themselves got invented in college where i was dating my woman who would become my wife we were looking for something in her dorm room and we couldn't find it and the only thing we could keep finding were pennies and so i came up with the concept <laughs> that the uh, that the penny gnomes took whatever you were looking for and they left the penny because that's all they know and uh, if you read the the novel, that's the first chapter, is the grandfather kind of telling the legend of the penny gnomes. That's really kind of what came out. And I always wanted to do that as a children's book. And um, so then I was like, well, what happens? Wh- where do the penny gnomes live? So I pondered that for a while. And then back in the, you know, mid to late 2000s, I'm a computer geek and there's a lot of computer geeky stuff in the book. Yeah, it's great. I love it. But, but there was a time when there was a, a company that had been a Linux company that became SCO, or they bought SCO Unix, and then they decided that they owned all of Linux, and they were going to sue everybody. And that really was just like, oh my gosh, the patent trolls are trying to steal everything. And that kind of snowballed <laughs> into the, 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 this horde of copyright lawyers trying to take over things. And that, that's kind of where the whole idea emerged, and I started writing it from there. So I I, I kind of love this this idea that it, this this story comes out of you know uh, trying trying to find an object which is an experience we've all had um, combined with sort of uh, some obscure computer geekery uh, it, it's just it's awesome yeah yeah there's actually a few jokes that I had had planned or kind of running gags that I had planned that didn't pop in they. I'm working on the sequel now, and they all they all pop out. So if you if you read the map, you might be able to pick out a couple. Uh, but yeah, it was it was fun to try to stick stuff in and see, you know, try to see how you could tweak things just to make people giggle if they knew what they were talking about and not be lost if they had no clue. Right. Sure. 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 Um, and in particularly, you know, comedy is uh, kind of a a genre where it's uh, susceptible to to kind of missing sometimes, right? Yeah, and, and... it's hugely subjective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just use an adverb, but the um, so it's it it if if you're if you don't get it, you're not going to get it, and there's no knock on that because it's just not your style of of comedy. You know, there's people who just don't like satire because that just not, it doesn't resonate with them, and I I find that cool. And right. satire is about the. Someone once said that that the last thing that the last grasp of humor that Gen X had, which is what I am, was irony, and that's really kind of that's <laughs> that's just my life. Is that's how I go. So, so you've crafted this this sort of 
zany portal fantasy and uh i i enjoyed it i thought it was hilarious at points like laugh out loud funny so you've already mentioned a little bit but how do you go about really crafting this the the world on the one hand but then you know on the other you know how do you go about crafting that that comedy and and kind of slipping that in in ways that like you were you were saying maybe someone gets it and chuckles but if someone doesn't get it you know they're not lost yeah i it's a really weird balance the world came into being out of out of my kind of dreams of what the of where the penny gnome lived penny gnomes lived and what their role was in this this larger world that they were part of and i actually drew the first map of the realm in notability on my ipad 2 and kind of cut the general geography around and what the main point is and and it was as i was putting all the different elements on that map and the fact that the the capital is the empty throne that there's no one you know on the throne and that's kind mm-hmm. of part of the the part of the problem um in in just the nature of who the dwarves are versus who the elves are and what the gnomes gnomes role is and they all kind of play these these uh, uh iconic roles inside fantasy as their races but inside the realm they all have this little different geeky element to them and it was just kind of fun to uh, fun to create yeah i imagine and, and they <clears throat> you know you sort of take you know, very central fantasy tropes, whether you're talking about, you know, elves or dwarves or whatever, and, and you turn them on their their heads a little bit in this, again, comical, satirical uh, kind of way. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. One other thing that you do that uh, I, I really enjoyed and thought worked really well uh, in the book is uh, you, you have these, um, like, footnotes where, yeah. right, the narrator sort of becomes a character through these these footnotes so where where did you get the idea for that and uh you know and how did you how did you find the balance between you know doing that in a way that was funny and interesting and added something versus maybe doing too much or or something that distracted from the the story as it was going yeah i mean the narrator is a huge character in in the story Mm mm-hmm so that's kind of a big deal. And sometimes, you know, he talks in the text too. <laughs> to, right, to yeah, characters. yeah, right. It's, right. Like it's fun. Um, but the footnotes, that's, that is, that's all credit to Terry Pratchett. Um, mm, okay, that's yeah. some yeah. of my, some of my favorite elements of Terry Pratchett are, are seeing what he would put in the footnotes and how he would talk to the reader and try to give them a little understanding of the psychology of what was going on here. And so I kind of enjoyed, you know, kind of homage to, to Terry Pratchett, who is, you know, one of my favorite authors of all time, uh, to, to take that same idea. Uh, Jasper Ford also uses footnotes. And I think my tweak of it to where the narrator is actually literally talking to the reader and it's not just kind of like an omniscient narrator uh, mm-hmm. is in Jasper Ford in his Thursday next novels. Uh, the characters use footnotes as their cell cell network inside inside the books. They're, it's called the footnote the footnoter phone, and so that's like there's a point where there's a character who's who's like 
breaking conversation because the foot there's somebody on the footnotes talking to them like you're talking on a phone and you're distracted <laughs> and i went i love that i think that's fascinating and i i think the merging of those two ideas is is where i ended up with the narrator uh, and the narrator breaking that wall and kind of becoming part of the story at the same time and, and it was hard because the narrator is not quite omniscient in the tri- traditional sense, but the narrator has some control over how the story goes. And um, you can't let the narrator just take everything because then the story goes away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it was it was fun to fun to write. A lot of fun to write. Oh, good. No, that's well, and it was it was very fun for me to read. So, <laughs> um, now at some level, there's also this this sort of theme within the novel uh, about sharing stories and and kind of imagination. And you you actually mentioned uh, like the first chapter is uh, the the grandfather character sort of sharing a story about. Uh, the penny gnomes mm-hmm. and th- that that kind of theme of sharing stories and imagination plays a role then throughout the the rest of the novel and mm-hmm. does that for, for you did that kind of come from any real life influence or i guess maybe another way to to phrase it is why, why do you think it's important that we imagine together or, or share stories together i mean i well i'm a writer so if people don't share stories they don't read my book so that's kind of sure right 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 um but i grew up in a family that just and i'm sure most of us did we grew up in a family that tells stories we have these our our own kind of cultural mythos in our in our families that gets passed on from generation to generation and and you know as different people who tell the story pass away the stories either fade or change or or grow but the the kind of the ethos of what makes a family a family kind of goes through for good or ill. And I think in, you know, my family, a lot of that was, was good. It, it helped us stay connected to one another, which I thought was a really, really neat thing. And it's in growing up, I was, you know, always into comic books and, and writing stories in my head. Uh, I was the kid who was sitting there with this, with his pencil pretending it was a spaceship in kindergarten. You know, that was the, <laughs> That was which my son also did, which was kind of fun. Um, and that was just kind of who I am. And and we're seeing, you know, the general theme of the book is that that there are forces that really want imagination to be controlled, uh, to be owned. And mm-hmm. and that's why it's the copyright horde. That's that's kind of the big major major villains of the book. And you know, I'm. I don't have a problem with copyright and my book is copyrighted, but that idea that you should con that it really should be locked down and controlled and, and no one should have any freedom to do anything. And, and we're even, we're seeing that play out right now between Sony and Marvel because you have mm. su- suddenly Spider-Man's no longer part of the MCU and everybody with a brain knows that Spider-Man belongs in the Marvel cinematic universe with all the other characters that mm-hmm. this, this icon of fiction in our culture has stayed with. And Sony's like, Oh, we have our own universe now. And you're, everybody's going, you're, you're dumb. <laughs> you're just like, you're, you're really dumb and you just don't get it. And that's where that, that influence, that the desire to use imagination solely to enrich ourselves 
uh, monetarily and not really kind of enrich everybody around us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's really kind of at the heartbeat of the book. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. And it's, uh, for me, it, it's really interesting to kind of see that play out again in, in a book that's, uh, for me, laugh out loud, funny and satirical and, and, and just a lot of fun. There's this, I think, kind of profound, uh, theme that, that runs through it. And I really, I kind of liked that, uh, as I was, as I was reading it. Mm-hmm. So Thanks. yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what draws you then to the, to the fantasy genre in particular, either as, you know, a writer or, um, as a reader? I, I, I saw this question. I'm going, gee, I don't know because it's just part <laughs> of who I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It literally from as far back as I can remember, we used to play wiffle ball and the wiffle ball bats after star Wars comes out, we're our lightsabers and then of course, swords yeah. and then we're doing this. And, um, you know, I played in D and D growing up and just mm-hmm. fascinated with that whole, that whole idea that you can be, be this character and go out and do these fantastical things and have these really wild adventures. And, and I think maybe that's, what drew me into it is just kind of that that idea that the the world we're in can be this adventure and we can make it up as we go along um that that really is kind of a a key for me but it's it's part of the air that i breathe and i am drawn more to fantasy than i am to science fiction um i really love science fiction but fantasy is is really where my brain kind of goes it's always in that in that kind of realm so even the the space stories that I come up with always have more of a fantasy trope to it than actual hard science fiction, which I don't think I have the skill or patience to write. Mm, sure. So. <clears throat> well, hard science fiction is a uh, just kind of a, a beast all to itself. The the amount of uh, you know knowledge and 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 thought and calculation, meaning literally like math calculation that has yeah to i need to, to be able to do the math and figure out how how quantum mechanics would actually work to do it right yep yep do yep. a communications network and i'm going yeah I, I know how that all works in entanglement or i know the theory but i don't think i could write something compelling about it and sure. fantasy if i want to make you know well this guy can just explode on cue i'm like okay well i can do that and that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of fun <laughs> right. for me right sure yeah. sure so Sort of, you know, along those lines of of, of fantasy uh, literature, if you could have dinner with any character from fantasy literature, who would it be and and why would you want to have dinner with that character? This is another one of those questions where I I looked at that and literally that's not something I've ever considered in my entire life. Okay. yep. yep. And I had no and and it's funny because the the people. I went immediately to Tolkien because you have to, I think it's under the contract at some point for all (laughs) fantasy readers at some point. And I'm going, well, I I would love to be with Gandalf, but I wouldn't because Gandalf's kind of a jerk a lot of times. He's a nice guy. He's a great guy. I don't know if I'd want to really be sitting around drinking a beer with him or having dinner. Um, And I'm looking at those other characters and I I might want to hang out with Sam just because Sam's really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then I'm thinking, no, you know what? I would love to hang out with with Sam Vimes from the Ankh Morpork City Watch, 
or or Captain Carrot. Because Vimes just has this he's such a pure believer in in the idea that there should be justice. But he's this jaded, cynical, bitter old man who yet holds on to this this incredible passion to see people treated with equity under the law. And that's his big dream. And I would love to sit down with them because I think that would be a hoot just because I, th- I think in a lot of ways, Sam Vimes is Terry Pratchett. Um, okay, yeah, right, right. And it's just this, this he's got this edge to him about looking at the world and yet it's you you feel like you'd laugh the entire time and and to have carrot at the table because carrot is this totally he has no guile he he is exactly what he says he is and what he appears to be and he's just a good kind great guy that you just want to hang out with he's 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 basically the mr rogers of the disc (laughs) <laughs> so right sure and, sure and so those those would be two guys that i think i would love to sit down i'm cheating but those would be two guys i would love to sit down and, and talk with because just to have the full picture of kind of their understanding of how that world works and they run in kind of the darker circles of things and yet they they hold you know hey people are people and we can hang out and that's fine and i like that idea so that's who i'd hang out with very good. No, no, no. I, I, I wondered. Uh, I was. Uh, I should say rather. I was. I was suspicious that you would um, likely pick a uh, Pratchett character, right? Because I know, obviously, the the influence, and you mentioned the influence that uh, he was uh, on your your own work uh, and how much you you've enjoyed his uh, his novels. So um, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty cool. Uh, you uh, and then and then of course you also mentioned um, Sam from the Lord of the Rings, which, you know, frankly, he might be the, like, if you were actually having like, like a dinner at your house that you were inviting someone to. Yeah. Sam really might be like, of, of all the characters in fantasy, like the one that would be the actual person you'd want as a dinner guest, uh, you know, polite, tell some stories, you know, have a good time, but not like blow anything up or have an orc chasing him through your living room or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. He's not lighting dragon uh, fireworks on fire. Um, right. Yeah. Sam, what's cool about Sam is he, he literally is the biggest hero in middle earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's above Baron and Luthien. He's above Aragorn. He's, he's above, uh, Gladriel is above any of the elves that, that, you know, had come back across the sea. Uh, he is among the, the greatest beings that ever lived on Middle Earth. And all he wants to do is just kind of be mayor of Hobbiton, which is a ceremonial <laughs> position that doesn't do anything. Marry Rosie and have kids and, and maybe tell a story every now and again. And, and that's, that's really what he wants out of life. And that's cool. Whereas, you know, Mary and Pippin, they really, you know, they put on airs later on like the even Culkin says they like to drive, you know, ride around in their finery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, they're like, OK, I could kind of hang out with them. But then, you know, they're kind of like the cool kids and I never got along with them. Um, Sam's just the nerd who, who did a really good thing and is comfortable that, you know, things worked out and life went on. And I, I would like to hang out with him. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of it. And yeah, he would be the one that would help you clean the dishes after dinner. Oh, yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And, 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 and eavesdrop at the window. The exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, and so. there, there's just, there's some, you know, the, obviously one of the, the themes in Tolkien is um, normal people, little people doing uh, extraordinary things, particularly, you know, as exemplified by the hobbits. Yes. And, uh, uh, you know, Sam is probably the the greatest exemplar of uh, of that, even amongst the 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 four hobbits who who kind of are part of the yeah. Film. And and I I think more so because he wasn't wounded in the way that Frodo was wounded. Right. And so you know, Frodo kind of carried that with him, where he really couldn't relax back in, which is why he had to leave. And Sam, he just lives to a ripe old age, watches, I forget how many generations of kids he, wick, you know, right. writes for. Yep. Yep. He's like, ah, I want to go see Frodo. Okay, bye. <laughs> and off he goes. All right, cool. Um, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> yep. He's the good yep. guy. He, he, so. he is. He's almost <clears throat> one of those characters that, um, you know, he's not the most exciting, but at some level, he probably has the best life out of any of the the members of the Fellowship. Uh, at the end of the day. Well, yeah, I mean, he achieves Tolkien's ideal, doesn't he? Right, well, exactly. That's just it, yeah. yeah. Aragorn lands in the halls of power, which is great, and Tolkien was just like, yeah, but the country. Um, and Mary, <laughs> yep. Mary and Pippin get to dress up fine, and but Tolkien, rem- Tolkien remembered World War One, and he's like, yeah, you know, that's great. And and Sam literally got to put it all behind him and actually go home. Mm. And, and I think that's that's really kind of cool. Again, that's, this, that's, that's Tolkien's core story and i and you know that to me that's a very important thing i i love the concept of home and that even comes into penny gnomes too because that's sure know, the main character. will's trying to get home yes and he's right. you know the danger is he won't have a home to go back to so that's kind of the the key for that let's tie it back to my book there we that's go. right that's right <laughs> um, well, well speaking of, of of tying back to your books uh how can uh folks find you and your books online well, if you want to really interact with me, uh, Twitter's a good place to do it. I have my personal account, which is at Weslow, which I'm looking at it now probably should have been my my uh, pen name, but okay. <laughs> That's kind of been my internet moniker for years. So it's at W-E-Z-L-O. But the book also has, and there, there's a sequel in the works, uh, has a Twitter account called at Penny Gnomes. And that book's really kind of interesting because the characters have taken over the thread. Yep. Yep. Um, so they'll just pop in and they, they, one of the characters just calls me an idiot all the time. Um, <laughs> there's another one who's trying to figure out like how light bulbs work. Cause he doesn't know, even though they have light bulbs in the realm. Um, and they're all, they're, they're constantly interacting with things that come across that, that accounts, Twitter feed. And uh, I always thought that was, that that was kind of fun. It was a way for me to make that account stick out. I need to use it more. So maybe if more people interacted, that would be good. <laughs> and uh, my my personal musings are on my blog, which is also kind of my, my self-published press, uh, which is painfullyhopeful.me. And again, there's that nasty adverb. Um, but that's kind of where I, I that literally I talked about how all I have left is irony. And literally the tagline for my blog is gazing at the irony. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, I write on everything from 
politics to it. I actually wrote Penny Gnomes as a blog post, you know, once a week for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, photography. Uh, I'm I am a pastor, so I do. You know, sometimes I'll be doing theological musings, and it's you know it's kind of fun to interact with you know folks from other faiths who who pop up and interact there sometimes. Um, and so that's kind of that. And then my blog, you can get it in paperback through Amazon, which is. I don't have a lot of money to go go the full self-published route, unfortunately. Um, and then you can get on ebook at uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo and iBooks. So if you just search for "In the Land of the Penny Gnomes," you'll find my book in any of those stores. Awesome! And I'm smiling. I'm smiling right now. I just realized <laughs> I wasn't on camera. Well, very good. Well, Wesley, thank you so much <laughs> for uh, taking some time to to chat with me uh, today. Thanks for having me. I was it was great to be able to be on.